following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Give that to the Lord Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Celebrate the Lord. Before you are seated, I will tell you that I could go on for hours and hours and hours bragging on uh, Pastor Jay and his family and all that they mean to me and my family and uh, all of you guys. You, man, y'all's, y'all's mark is on my heart, and I mean that with... I can, I'm kind of like Pastor. I can start crying like that. I can go from zero to 60 just, just like that. So I, if I start squalling, just bear with me, but... I love you guys so much, and I could talk for hours just about my appreciation for my pastor. So just one quick thing. Ride the river with him, because he's going to get you to heaven. Stay the course. Let God keep blessing your life. Come on, put your hands together. Let God keep blessing this shirt. God's doing something in Austin, Texas through CLC. And I've got good news for you. Jesus is alive. Happy Easter, everybody. Jesus is alive. Amen. You may be seated. I got a whole lot to cover. Here we go. Three very intellectually challenged people. And I'm trying to be politically correct. I'm just going to go ahead and call them what they are. They're Texas A&M fans. And that one's for the little parking lot attendant that talked smack about my LSU sticker out there before. That one's for you, Chad. Three A&M fans died suddenly. Oh. They were at the pearly gates and St. Peter looks at them and says, I'll let you guys in if you can answer one question. What is Easter? One replies, oh, that's easy. Very easy. It's a celebration in November where everybody gets together and eats turkey. Wrong, said St. Peter. He looked at the second one and said, what is Easter? And she replies, I got it. It's a celebration in December where we put up a nice tree and exchange gifts. Nope, that's not it either. Looks at the third Aggie and says, can you answer this question? And the Aggie smiles confidently and says, I can. Easter is a Christian holiday that coincides with the Jewish celebration of Passover. And he had St. Pete's attention. The Romans took Jesus to be crucified and hung him on the cross. He was buried in a nearby cave and was sealed off with a large boulder. By this time, St. Peter was smiling from ear to ear. The Aggie continued and he said, And every year, the boulder is moved aside so Jesus can come out. And if he sees his shadow, there's only six weeks left in Easter. (laughs) Hook them horns! That's funny. I don't care who you are. (laughs) Jesus is alive. Amen? And that should fire you up because that means that you are alive. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you are, you've got the spirit of the living God inside of you. So don't you let anything, I might just preach a little bit up in here. Don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anything stop you. Stay the course because your Savior is alive. And that is great news. Okay, again, that, I, I got to go. I, again, Man, I can just, I can just, if I catch on fire, y'all just put me out up here and we'll, we'll try to finish it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to teach and preach a little bit on a seed's significance tonight. 
I like to have some help from the, the crowd from time to time. So say this with me. Say, he was 16 years old, he was 16 years old. And, devilishly and devilishly handsome. I was. <laughs> Had a little bit of a mullet back then, as you know. There's business in the front and party in the back. Come on, somebody. And I didn't wear a gold chain. I wore two gold chains. Because back in 1985 and 86 and 87, you had to have the rope and the herring bone. Come on, somebody. Yes. <laughs> All the old people are like, yes, yes, I like this guy. All the young guys are like, that's going to be a long night, man. But on one particular warm Louisiana Saturday night, I was riding around with my friend Skip Stroud. And he saw a friend of his by the name of Shelley Slater, and they were riding around in a red Mustang, and Skip looked at me and said, hey, you want to you ride with them? I said, no, man, I just want to ride around with you. Yeah, let's ride around with them. I mean, did you see that blonde-headed girl with, with her? Let's, let's see if we can make this connection happen, you know, maybe spread a little love of the Lord, you know, and just, so we flagged them down, and Skip sat in the front with Shelley because she was the ugly one, and I sat in the back with Stephanie because she was a pretty one. And before, this is fun, I'm having so much fun. And before the end of the night, even though Stephanie had a boyfriend that was not me, because my game is on such a high level, you know, I was, I was working. And that night ended with an utterly, utterly, say utterly, utterly. Ravishing, ravishing kiss. Whew, yes, it did. One small moment, a long time ago. It's crazy isn't it, how one small moment can change your life. It's amazing how one small moment, whenever you, you think about, and I'm going to read this out of my notes, so you, you'll, it'll just be right here with you. When a mullet-sporting stallion, <laughs> that's just hilarious to me, and a petite cutie with enough blonde hair that she could have been in a white snake video on Headbangers Ball at MTV. <laughs> and if you got that, thank you for being old with me, Yeah. But that one moment, right, well over 20 years ago, ended up making a significant difference in my life because now for over 27 years, I've been, I've been married to her. And one, one small moment can have such a big impact in your life. It's crazy, isn't it, how you would think such, something like that that, that seems so insignificant in that moment could turn out to be so significant. And here's what's amazing is that principle is true in many different areas of our life as well. Because what seems to be a small beginning can result in a fantastic ending. What seems to be an insignificant origin can result in a very significant destination. There's a little company by the name of Apple. Maybe you've heard of them. They started in a garage and now they have more revenue on an annual basis than a lot of countries literally have in producing gross national product. It's, it's an amazing phenomenon. They, they're, they're like taking over the world, right? And, and they started in a garage. And there's another company by the name of Microsoft. And although they are vastly less cool than all things Apple, they started small and they, they, they have become a giant. It's so funny to see the Apple store in the mall and the Microsoft store in the mall and everybody's happy in the Apple store, aren't they? And all the people in the Microsoft store are just kind of like standing there because they just wish that they could be as cool as Apple. I'm trying to get you guys to heaven. You know, you, you, can't, you, you, you can't have an Android. Come on, somebody, help me preach. Whew. I feel the spirit up in here. Come on now. 
But I read two books recently, one about Zappos and one about Amazon, and they had small beginnings, and now they are massive, massive things that are taking over the world. And I could give you hundreds of examples like this. Like on the screen, I think you'll see this picture of Harley Davidson, hundreds of thousands of motorcycles that they produce each year. And this is where they started in 1903. And I could give you story after story about something that started out so insignificant, but now it's so significant. And I could give you individual stories like the one about Simone Biles. You'll see her on the screen. And I could tell you about how Simone is a three-time world all-around champion and a four-time U.S. national champion. And she's part of the U.S. team that went to Brazil and won the all-around world competition. And I could break down her accomplishments, listen, and you could hear how her career is ending with success and significance. But I could also tell you that whenever she started, she was born to some drug addicts. Her and her siblings were born to drug addicts. And and her father left the picture early on, and her mother always chose drugs over children. And so this amazing young woman grew up bouncing from foster home to foster home until her grandparents adopted her in. And whenever they brought her in, they brought her to the Christian faith. And she still holds that faith close to her heart here tonight. My point is this, and I'm taking some time to set it up, but you have to understand that what seems like a small beginning can result in a fantastic ending. What seems like an insignificant origin can result in a very significant destination because we serve a God who specializes in growth and in transformation. Amen? In God's economy, big futures come from humble beginnings. In God's kingdom, big doors open on small hinges. In the kingdom of God, God specializes in taking something that seems so insignificant and he'll transform it into something absolutely, positively amazing. Something that seems so small. Maybe you're here for the first time tonight and you just kind of bumped in here on a Wednesday night and you just think that it's just going to be another Wednesday night. But who knows what God may have in store for you. Amen. Maybe you've been here just a couple of weeks and as, you, as, as we say, you're kind of kicking the tires and you're saying, what's this Jesus stuff all about? And you just think it's just this insignificant chapter in your life. But what if the God of the universe is using this chapter to prepare you to step into your destiny? Right? That's how it works. Something that seems so small and insignificant can just blow up and become something that changes your life and your eternity. In Matthew 13, we get a picture of this kingdom significance. We get this spiritual Instagram, if you will, of this image of of what the kingdom looks like. And I love talking about this because this is one of my my sticks down at Acacia in Baton Rouge. Because here's the thing. I'm convinced that if I could convince you of your power inside of the kingdom of God, that if you would just understand it, it would totally revolutionize how you exist and how you live your life. So many of us, we, we believe that we're saved. We believe that we're going to kind of scoot into heaven on the, on the hair of our chinny chin chin. But we don't really believe that we can walk and step in the authority that God has given us. Right? We don't understand what it would look like for us to exist inside of the kingdom of God. But Jesus is teaching and preaching in Matthew chapter 13. And I love what he says 
Beginning in verse 31, he says, this is him. And he says, he put another parable before them and he said this, the kingdom of heaven is like the grain of a mustard seed. Everybody say, the grain of a mustard seed. The man took and sowed it in a field. It's the smallest of the seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, if you've grown up in faith, you've heard this story like 3.7 million times, and I fully understand that. But I hope to, to look at it from a little bit of a different angle here tonight to get you guys to understand what your life could be like inside of the kingdom of God. Fully optimized, fully leaned in, fully tilted, just walking in the authority that his word proclaims that we can have. So I love how Matthew goes into great detail and how he just talks about what this looks like. So if you read like Matthew 13, 14, all this, this is Jesus talking about the parables. He's talking about this is what the kingdom is going to look like. This is how your life can look. This is how your life can be. And I absolutely love it because it helps me because I'm one of these guys that I do better with images more than I do well with like instructions. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I, I can watch a YouTube video and I can like build a car or something. But if I have to look at the directions, you know, I get about three lines in and I'm like, man, I'm bored. I think I can just try to do this some other way. And so I like images much better than I like instructions. And so we go back and, and, and I want you to say this with me. He was 26 years old, he was 26 years old. and still devilishly handsome. By that time, I had given up the mullet, which really was kind of like a white man's neck fro that was just kind of attached to the back of my neck right here, because it, it, it was, man, I would get it wet, and it would hang down and look all cool and whatnot, but then whenever it would dry, it would just, you know, and so I just had to get rid of it, but anyway, that's enough about the mullet talk, but we had just given birth to our second child. Actually, Stephanie had given birth to our second child. I was just kind of there to coach her along and whatnot, and so she said, hey, babe. Why don't you put the stroller together? Sure, honey. Been working out. Can do this, right? All the guys are like, yeah, that's how you feel. Put a stroller together for the family. It was awesome because it came with a box, and the box had a picture on it. You know where this is going, don't you? Like, I can see what the thing's supposed to look like. It's pretty simple. I had this done in a few minutes. And so I said, honey, you go inside. I got this. It's when we were living up here in Austin, up in Round Rock. Had, had an apartment up in Round Rock. And so we're up there, and, uh, and I put the stroller together. And I uh, said, Steph, like all guys do, come out and look what I have created, you know, <laughs> for the family. Ha! And in that moment, what we guys like to hear is, oh, baby, you did good. <laughs> it looks so good and sleek. It looks like it'll roll really fast. It just, you did really good. But the, the, the words that I got were, what's with the extra parts? <laughs> and so I look back at her. As the priest of the home. And I said, woman, are you doubting me? And before she could answer, I got the instructions and I ran inside. And I got 
Well, I used to call it a cigarette lighter, but now that I'm sanctified, we call it a candle lighter. But I got a a lighter, and I burned the instructions so that she could not prove me wrong. (laughs) Gentlemen, you're welcome. And I'm glad to tell you that our child is 21 years old. She did not die in a stroller incident. But I had an image to look at. And I was able to look at it and see what this might look at. And I use a silly example, but that's what Jesus is doing in Matthew's gospel. He said, if this is what you could look like. This is what your life could be like. This is the kind of authority that you could step into and it would just rock your world. That's the South Louisiana translation. It would rock your world, right? Jesus is painting this picture and he said, this is what the kingdom is going to look like. Let me show you. It's a place where the will of God becomes the will of man. It's a place where the things in the spiritual realm becomes the things in the earthly realm and they they mesh together in a beautiful way. And it's this is what you can look like. This is what you can look like in the kingdom of God, right? About half of you are just like... Because you're like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can. This is what you do. You you tap the brakes a little bit, right? You're preaching real good. Just preach to somebody else. Because, you see, I've got a story. I've got a past. I've got this, this thing that I don't know if I can really step into the kingdom of God like you're talking about. People are like, My story really doesn't have a great beginning. My story is still trying to get some traction forward, and I don't know if I can see myself in an image like this. But I feel like that I've come here tonight to tell you that it's time that you get your foot off of the brake and realize what God is trying to do inside of your life. Because regardless of how insignificant your beginning was and is, He's wanting to give you a glorious destiny that you can step into and it's going to change your world forever. Yes. Because here's the thing, you'll see it on the screen, I believe. Jesus says things on purpose and with purpose. Jesus never said anything and he was like, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. Can we retract that a second? I really didn't mean that. He never says anything that he doesn't mean. He never says, he never paints a picture that you can't step into. He's never going to set the bar so high that you don't have the ability to start climbing the ladder to where he's trying to get you to go. We say random stuff all the time. Back whenever I used to preach in this pulpit, pastor would say, son, you did good. You did good. You said a few things I wish you wouldn't have, but you did good, you know. We say things sometimes and we're like, man, if I could just grab that and pull it back in. Jesus doesn't do that. He's teaching this crowd of normal people just like you and I. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Now, let me dig in here real quick because the mustard seed is not exactly something that we're super familiar with. Because we're not in this agrarian culture, you don't have to grow your crops. You just run by H-E-B on the way home and get something and call it a night. Which, by the way, 
can I get a thank you, Jesus, for H-E-B? I mean, because we moved to Louisiana, and I'm not a grocery guy, but I miss, even I miss H-E-B. But anyway, this ancient audience... This mustard seed was very common to them because they planted it, they sowed it. It was just this, this way of life. This mustard seed was the smallest of all of the seeds that were planted in this ancient Palestinian field. And listen to this. Common logic would tell you that the smaller the seed, the smaller the produce. I mean, it would just make sense, right? I mean, if you have something really tiny, it would make sense that you would grow something really tiny. But not so with the mustard seed. Jesus uses this metaphor because just as the mustard seed was famous for its tiny size and planting time, it was equally famous for how rapidly it grew and how large it grew in harvest time. And so you have to catch the application. Everybody say, I'm listening, Pastor Russ. The mustard seed is a humble beginning. The mustard seed is that proverbial kiss on a warm Louisiana summer night. The mustard seed is a startup business in the garage. The mustard seed is the child of drug addicts who gets thrown into the foster system. In other words, the mustard seed is you and me. Why do we struggle getting the picture of how significant spiritual growth is a viable option whenever he speaks it about me and about you because what you'll do everybody work with me real quick everybody look down the aisle down the road that way now look down the road this way okay I know you're looking at the back of heads but you see all kinds of people and you're like yeah God can touch them God can heal them God can give that sister a job I believe it glory hallelujah and God can help that young man right there find the woman that he's looking for glory hallelujah you know you got faith for everybody else why do we struggle whenever it comes to ourselves though God can do great things for a lot of people but I don't know if he can do that for me here's what I've come to try to tell you the mustard seed is small the mustard seed is small but the mustard seed is still a seed why do we focus on the size of the seed instead of focusing on the fact that the seed is a seed because pebbles are small but pebbles don't grow So it's not the size of the seed that gives the metaphor its power. It's the nature of the seed that provides radical transformation. Seeds just grow. It's in their nature. It's how they were wired to do. Seeds have potential. Seeds have life. Growth is simply the nature of the seed. That's what seeds do. And so the point of the text and what I've come to try to preach to you here tonight, I think you'll see it on the screen, is ultimate significance is never determined by the size of the seed. Your future is not determined by your past. Your destiny is not hindered by all of the mistakes that you've made along the journey. How much of a spiritual giant you grow into has nothing to do with the spiritual infant that you began this journey as. Because everybody begins as... An infant. But everybody has the opportunity to grow. I am a mustard seed. And if you wanted to sit down and start telling war stories about how bad you were and what a hellion you used to live your life like. I could share war stories with you for hours on end. And I could tell you about the the scars that are on my life because of those. But I'm a mustard seed. 
and I got invited into the kingdom of God. And you're a mustard seed. And you are being invited into the kingdom of God. The size of our significance is never determined by the size of our beginning. And you have to hold on to that on those bad days when the enemy is screaming at you. The level of kingdom that we ultimately experience and facilitate is never determined by how small our faith is whenever we first come into this thing. Because everybody starts off in the beginning just learning how to walk. And so I am the mustard seed. You are the mustard seed. The mustard seed is a little church plant called Acacia Church. Started in our living room. And I did not have a clue what I was doing whenever I started that church. Most Sundays, I still don't have a clue what I'm doing. As, as Pastor, Pastor Jay, he said this about people before, uh, and we won't, we won't name any, any, any names, but he would say, that boy can't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. Okay, that was me whenever I tried to start Acacia Church. I mean, I, I was fumbling around. I didn't know up from down. I'm just trying to hold on the best way that I can. And so we had this great marketing plan. We went around and we said, hey, we're starting a new church. Great. Where's it going to be? It's going to be in our house. See, that doesn't even sound awesome right there. <laughs> it's just like, ooh, that's kind of weird, you know. Children's ministries down the hall. Oh, whoa, okay. That just got even better, you know. I mean, I want to go there. And the first day, I'll never forget the first day that we had a service in a rented facility. I was so worked up, man. I went over in the, in the bushes and I just went, I mean, I, I dry heaved. I tried to get something to come out, but I, it just wouldn't. Because I didn't know what we were doing. Because it was so small. It was so insignificant. Because churches right down the road are seven, eight thousand, ten thousand people. So small, so insignificant. The mustard seed, though, was planted. And we decided to look at the church as the fact that it was a seed. It wasn't just mustard, right? Why do we always focus on the mustard and not on the seed, right? Let's focus on the fact that it is a seed. And so to this day, this is just a couple of things, but we have sponsored and completed and dug a freshwater drinking well in Cambodia that an entire village drinks out of every single day. Mission trips to Africa and Lithuania. Hundreds and hundreds of people fed every Thanksgiving through Mills Drive. We're partnering with women's battered shelters and partnering with local homeless teen shelters. And we've gotten in, a foot in the door with the Louisiana foster care system. And the church is making a difference, not because it's my church, but because it's his church. And this is his kingdom, right? This is his kingdom. It was just a little small mustard seed at the beginning of the story, but the significance of the story is never determined by the size of the seed. Growth is simply in the nature of the seed. And that's God's nature. That's just what he does. And I'll hurry up and kind of at least tell you that I'm pointed towards the end so you'll hold on to me. But just a little bit later in the book of Matthew, we read about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And again, you, you've heard the story if you've been around Christianity, if you've been around faith. And Jesus is kind of teaching and preaching and some people start getting hungry and their tummies kind of start getting rumbly. And he's just, okay, what are we going to do here? And so they start trying to come up with a plan. And so Jesus says, what do we have here? And they went and they said, well, there is this one little boy. There is this one little insignificant boy. 
Because back in that day, I mean, we love our kids now. At least we'll say it in public. You know, but anyway, back then, the, the kids were like, they were frowned upon because they couldn't farm and they couldn't contribute anything to society. I mean, they would just eat and take up space, right? I mean, until they grew up into, into men and women, they couldn't contribute anything. And so kids were frowned upon, literally. They, they, they weren't enjoyed to, have her, to, to be in your presence. And so, and so they said, what can we do here? Well, we don't really have anything to feed anybody, but there is this one little piece of insight significance over here and he's got a couple of things I mean I don't know what he's got what does he have well he's got five little tiny pieces of bread and two fish well what am I supposed to do with that you know how insignificant the boy was the boy was never named it wasn't like little Tommy was over here and and he had a little lunch pail and Jesus said let me see what I can do with that it was just it was a little piece of insignificance but he said hey maybe we can do something with this because significance is just in the nature of the Lord. That's just kind of what he does. It's just in the Lord's nature to take something small and multiply it and increase it. It's just like the Lord for a man by the name of Rex Johnson to be preaching here whenever we were here. And I remember it like it was yesterday. He would walk up that aisle right there when we had pews back in the olden days when we still had pews up in the house. And he was preaching to an empty balcony. And he was saying, hey, everybody down here, I know that they're not here yet, but they're coming. And this church is going to keep being what we can be because they're coming. And now look at you. Look at what God has done on a Wednesday night. Because that's the nature of the Lord. That's the nature of what he does. He takes something that seems like it just will not work. And he'll break it. I don't know about being broken. But he'll break it because he can't use something until it's broken. That's a, I'll come back next year and preach about that. But, but you, we don't like the broken process. We just like the multiplication process. But you've got to be broken in order for God to be able to do the multiplication. And so he takes this and he says, okay, five plus two. Carry the seven and From Louisiana, hold on. At least I'm not an Aggie. Seven. Five plus two is seven. Is that, is that right? UT fans, is that right? Okay. Because in our economy, five plus two equals seven. Every math class that you ever go to, five plus two is always going to equal seven. But God doesn't operate in our economy. God doesn't operate in the realm that you and I operate in, right? His laws of physics aren't our laws of physics. And his laws of multiplication aren't our laws of multiplication. In God's economy, you'll see it on the screen. 5 plus 2 equals 5,000 with a remainder of 12. Because he'll take something that seems so insignificant. And he'll break it and he'll multiply it. And he'll be able to feed the masses and feed the multitude. And he'll still have some left over. Because significance is just in his nature. It's just in his nature. How many of you have a son? Raise your hand real quick. Okay, keep your hand up. How many of your sons at some point jumped in a mud puddle? It's just in their nature. Right? You got a little kid, and like you're cooking on the stove, and you just say, don't touch that stove, it's hot. (laughs) Ow! 
I'm sure there's an Aggie joke in there somewhere again, but I got to keep going. <laughs> Woo! That's funny. I don't care who you are. Anyway, don't touch. And we pick on kids, but adults will do the same thing. We walk into a room. Don't touch the walls, guys. We just painted. Well, how long ago? You know? <laughs> it's just in our nature. Right? It's just in our nature. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but something that's in the nature of, of how many of you have a daughter? Raise your hand real quick. Okay, how many of your daughters, hold your hands up, they enjoy fingernail polish and all things polishy and glittery? Yeah, okay. So we're driving home to Louisiana one time when we lived here. We're driving home and, and we're in the car and, and Reagan's wanting to do something naily. I don't know, even know what she wants to do. And she said, can I do this? I was like, no, you're going to get stuff in the car. No, absolutely not. We got an hour until we get to Louisiana. Just hold your horses. And so we're just driving down the road. And I'm driving down the road and I started smelling something. I was like, oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> Guys, I got so mad. I went all King James on her, King James Version. And, and, and I'm just, I mean, I'm going at her. I'm like, what are you thinking? I just told you. I went, I went Lion King too. And I said, you blatantly disobeyed me. And then she's like, no, I didn't. And then I just said, I'm just giving her the what for. And then I just ended with, what say ye? Like she's like, oh, dad is mad. He's quoting the KJV now. <laughs> that dude is angry. Why did Reagan do things, all things naily? Because it's just in the nature of a little girl to want to paint her nails. It's just in his nature to take something that he can work with and break it and bless it and multiply it and use it to advance the kingdom of God. And so if somebody will come help me on the music or something, prayer partners, get ready in just a second. Because I don't know how y'all usually roll on a, th- on a Wednesday night, but we're just going to pray for some folks up here just for a little bit. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. I feel like that there's somebody in this building. There's several people in this building. That somewhere along the journey, God has placed something inside of you. God has given you a word and God has spoken to you and God has given you a promise. God has planted a seed. But you've just gotten weary in your well-doing. It hadn't happened quick enough. We thought that it should have done been done, right? But God's still toiling and God's still planting and God's still plowing and God's still watering. God's still fertilizing and God's still tilling the soil and God's still pulling out weeds around you trying to make sure that you're growing in the right way that you need to be growing. And we think that he just needs to hurry up. But some of you have lost that promise. You heard it one time, but now you don't hear it so clearly anymore. Or maybe he's giving you that spiritual Instagram picture of this is what your life would be like in the kingdom of God. And you said, yes, I want that, I want that, I want that. And you've just kind of lost your, your passion along the journey. And it just doesn't mean to you what it once did. And he's trying to tell you tonight, 
just like he put it in your nature to just do something different, something beyond what you can do on your own, it's in his nature to just be able to take that and break it and bless it and multiply it and raise you up to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Some of you tapping the brake. I don't, I don't know because I've tried it before and it just never seems to work out. Try it again. And if that doesn't work out, try it again. And if that doesn't work out, try it again. And if that doesn't work out, try it again. And if that don't work out, try it again. You think any devil in hell can stop what God has started inside of you? Come on. You think anything in hell can stop what heaven has started inside of you? You think the devil can take that promise that God has given you and put a void on it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Stand all across the building. Prayer partners, come down here real quick. Run, run, run. Okay, so, so some of you have had this thing planted inside of you. And tonight it's time for you to little, just pour a little water on it. Or let him pour some water on it. But there's one more group that I just want to invite here into this moment of response. And maybe that's someone who has never really felt like that you've ever had anything planted inside of you. Maybe you've never begun a relationship with the Lord. That can change. That needs to change tonight. But maybe God's never given you what you would consider to be a promise. Maybe God's never given you any sort of a vision of where he wants you to go to step into your realm of destiny. And old Pastor Brad didn't even know what he was saying up here earlier whenever he said, you never know what can happen in an atmosphere like is here tonight. You just thought you were coming to a regular Wednesday night. But what if God is going to take this regular Wednesday night and drop something inside of your heart that builds a fire inside of you that nothing can contain? Stop tapping the brake. Stop thinking that you're not good enough to advance the kingdom of God because all through this book he used scoundrel after scoundrel after scoundrel and he's still using scoundrel after scoundrel after scoundrel to advance his kingdom so I'm going to begin to pray and I'm, I'm challenging you don't let this be another Wednesday night because here you get the right you get to switch the gears here you get to say yes i want that yes i want to step into that significance of that seed that god is trying to plant inside of me tonight or that's already been planted inside of me tonight and i'm lit, my prayer is going to be that these prayer partners would just be straight up lit up with an anointing on them that they would just be able to be used by the holy ghost to speak into your world and pray over you what you're desiring to have in your life right now. So as you begin to come quickly all across the building, come on, let's come quickly. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, right now in your name, as people begin to come down to this front, Lord, and just respond to your word, Lord, I pray that you would just put a little hint of their destiny inside of their heart right now, dear God. Let them understand that you are inviting them into a place of significance that they've never dreamed possible before, God. Don't let anybody tap that proverbial break right now, Lord, but let everybody step in to the anointing. Let everybody step in to what you're trying to give them in their hearts and inside of their lives tonight, Lord God. Let the authority of the Holy Ghost rest in this place. Lord, consume this place right now. 
all across the building with hands lifted, with hearts engaged, Lord. We seek after you. We hunger after you, Lord. And we invite your glory and your power and your presence into this place right now, God. Lord, show somebody where they're going. Speak a promise to somebody's heart right now. Speak a promise to somebody's heart right now, God. Let them realize, Lord, that they just need to stay the course because they're going in the right direction. Don't let them leave here weary in their well-doing, God. Don't let them leave here discouraged about where they are in the journey, dear God. But let your power, let your authority, let your anointing rest upon their hearts and upon their lives as you speak to them, God.